Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Of course, I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's national NFL insider, and we have a fun show in store for you as the NFL preseason rounds into week two. And we are now one step closer to games counting for real come September. And through the first two weeks of the preseason, we've already learned so much about some of the rookie quarterbacks looking to leave their mark on their franchises and some of the marquee players around the league who have a chance to make a real marquee impact on the 2021 NFL season. We're going to get into all of that, my key takeaways from a couple of the games that have already taken place over the last couple of weeks, answer your questions on Twitter about this upcoming season and what we've seen so far, and a whole lot more. And as always, if you like what you hear, here on the program. I'd really love it if you went ahead and subscribed to the Stacking the Box podcast inside of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for Stacking the Box and NFL Podcasts. You get not one but two great NFL podcasts for the price of none. You get Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam on Tuesday. They do a terrific job. And then, of course, each and every Friday, you get the Matt Lombardo Show zapped right into your favorite podcast platform to enjoy over the weekend or as you start your week to look back on the previous week's games or look ahead to the following Sunday. And if you enjoy the podcast, I would really love it if you let me know what you think by leaving a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store. It helps grow the show. It helps us really build the brand. And if you have a guest, a player, a former player, a coach, a former coach, an executive, an analyst, whoever, do me a favor. Leave me a five-star review this week in the Apple Podcast Store. Let me know who you want to have on, and I'll go try to get them so that we can have them on in the coming weeks. But before we get into everything and and the big picture takeaways from these preseason games, I really want to zero in on what we saw from Mac Jones this week on Thursday night against the Eagles. And I think big picture-wise, we really found out what some of the coaches, including Eagles first-year head coach Nick Sirianni, really thinks about the preseason. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. But I believe that Mac Jones not only won the New England Patriots starting quarterback job, but if Bill Belichick does the right thing and plays Mac Jones week one, the Patriots are now a legitimate threat to the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. They have a chance to really elevate their ceiling this upcoming season based on everything that they did this offseason, going out and bringing in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar and really boosting the supporting cast around their young quarterback and then going ahead and taking Mac Jones in the first round. But he looked like a seasoned veteran on Thursday night. And before everybody gets up in arms and says, oh, look who he was playing, Matt. Look at the fact that... The Eagles didn't play any of their starters. They didn't play any of their backups. It was mostly second, third, and fourth string defensive players. It doesn't matter. If you have the tools, if you have the skill set, if you have the ability to make every throw on the route tree, 
it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Now, certainly it's going to be a tougher matchup if you throw, you know, Nelson Aguilar or Gunnar Oshensky or any of the Patriots receivers against Jalen Ramsey or any of the top cornerbacks in this league. But if you can make the throws, if you can read the defense, if you can go through your progressions quickly and decisively, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. And there were a couple of plays that really stuck out for me from Mac Jones where he looked like a guy who's been in this league for years, who looked like a dominant, high-ceiling franchise quarterback, if you will. And I don't know that I'm ready to make that leap, but he certainly showed that he has that kind of potential and that kind of ceiling. Really showed itself in the third quarter on a second down and seven where Jones was in the pocket. He stepped up in the pocket and he delivered an absolute strike on a rope to Gunnar Oshensky on a slant pattern over the middle in between defenders and the Patriots wound up moving the chains. Earlier in the game in the second quarter, he hits Enkil Harry on a slant pattern deep down the field that moves the chains on a third and long situation. And you're just watching this and you're like... How is this guy a rookie? This guy doesn't look like a rookie quarterback starting in just his second exhibition game. And the throw that Harry gave up his body for, that he dove for at the end of the first half and wound up injuring his shoulder on, that was 45, 50 yards downfield. And it was on target and it was right where it needed to be where the defender couldn't make a play and Harry had to make a diving attempt to pull it in. Now, it fell incomplete, but it was the type of throw that you you kind of stand up at attention and you say, okay... Why are you not starting this guy week one? This guy has the arm strength. He has the ball placement. He has the accuracy. He has the decisiveness in the pocket. He checks all of the boxes. And for as little as preseason matters, and I thought that Sirianni really showed you from an Eagles perspective on Thursday night that the preseason is absolutely meaningless. But if you just look at the drive charts, if you just look at what Mac Jones has done through his first two appearances, 10 plays, 70 yards, and a touchdown. 9 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. 17 plays, 91 yards, and a touchdown. He had one that was a punt. He had 13 plays, 53 yards. It was a field goal. He had another drive that was a punt. And another possession where the Patriots held the ball for 10 plays, moved 43 yards, and wound up kicking a field goal. If you're going to go through that type of a performance over two weeks, only two punts, the rest results in putting points on the scoreboard. We touched on it a bit last week after Mac Jones and the Patriots preseason opener against the Washington football team where I thought that the word that came to mind to describe Jones was efficiency. Well, he took that to the next level against the Eagles on Thursday night because when you have those kind of possessions that you're stacking good drives on top of good drives, it just goes to show you that you have command of the offense. It goes to show you that you really understand the playbook. You're not making mistakes out there. You're proving that against NFL competition and even bottom of the roster NFL competition, you can move the football. And he makes all the throws. He's shown that he has plus arm strength. And you can see those things regardless of who's on the other side of the football, whoever is playing defense. So the Jones that we saw last week and the Jones that we saw on Thursday night and the Justin Fields from the Chicago Bears that we saw in their preseason opener against the Miami Dolphins, those are two quarterbacks that absolutely have to start week one. It doesn't matter to me that the Bears went out and got Andy Dalton, who has the chance to be a really nice mentor and a veteran presence in the Bears quarterback room. It doesn't matter to me that the Patriots went and they invested another year in Cam Newton and brought him back. Circumstances change. And if you're looking at the Patriots from a New England perspective, 
having Cam Newton around, you know, he's a very serviceable backup. And we've seen quarterbacks get hurt all the time. We've seen seasons get torpedoed by quarterbacks getting hurt. And if I'm Bill Belichick, I, I'm fully comfortable putting Cam Newton out there in a backup situation if Jones should get hurt. And if I'm the Chicago Bears and I'm Ryan Pace and I'm Matt Nagy and my future and my job security is tied to Justin Fields, I'm sorry, Andy Dalton. I know that we brought you in here. I know that we had our social media staff tweet out QB1 back during OTAs. But when you trade a future first-round pick and a fifth-round pick to go up and get Justin Fields and you take him number 10 overall and your job is very much on the line, you don't start Andy Dalton. You don't hitch your wagon to Andy Dalton. And I wrote about this in my column this week. Go check it out on fansided.com. You know, speaking to an executive in the NFC, they basically told me that there's a chance Matt Nagy looks at what happened with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith in Kansas City and says, okay, I can start Andy Dalton. I can get by. I can survive on Andy Dalton as my quarterback, even for a whole year. But here's the problem. When Andy Reid played Alex Smith for a full season, he had the track record. He had been to a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. He had been to five NFC championships with the Philadelphia Eagles. He had a very patient fan base, and he had the, the total respect of the ownership group, the Hunt family, to do what he needed to do with Alex Smith. And there was a vision there, and they thought that Patrick Mahomes wasn't ready to play as a rookie. And it worked out just fine. Mahomes is arguably the greatest quarterback currently walking the planet. And the Chiefs are going for a third straight Super Bowl bid and a second Super Bowl title in three years. That's what they're you know gunning for in 2021. But Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and the Bears... They don't have that. They're in a win or you're gone type of a situation. So I just don't think that you're going to see the Bears be patient with Justin Fields. I don't think you're going to see the Bears play Andy Dalton, even if they play in week one. You come back home from a road trip week one. You come back home and you play the Bengals at home at Soldier Field. Okay, so you play Justin Fields in week two, but what do you accomplish there? If Justin Fields wins the job, if Mac Jones wins the job, and both of these guys have looked really good in their first, you know, tastes of preseason action, if they win the job, what are you doing playing the veteran quarterback for a week or two? You know, players in the locker room know. They, they see the kid gives them the chance to win. They see the kid can make every throw in the playbook. They see the kid has the command of the offense and the respect of his teammates. Whether it's Justin Fields or Mac Jones, play him. And I think the Bears... You know, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team with Justin Fields this year, but that defense is the top 15 defense in the league. I think the Patriots, on the other hand, with Mac Jones, with the supporting cast that they've built around him, with Bill Belichick as his head coach, I think the Patriots have a real chance of going to the postseason, making a wild card run and, you know, maybe splitting with the Buffalo Bills and putting themselves in a position to make the playoffs with nine or 10 wins. I think that's a, a very real possibility that I don't know that you have that same upside with Cam Newton at quarterback. And I know it's preseason. I, I get that. And you don't want to, you know, extrapolate too much from these games, especially once we now have seen head coaches around the NFL tell you exactly what they think of preseason football. It, it couldn't be more obvious. Now, for years, we've always heard about how preseason games are so meaningful for guys 45 through 60 on the roster. 47 through 53, the guys at the very bottom of the roster that these are the reps, these are the snaps, these preseason games are what matter. This is what's going to decide who makes the roster and who's selling used cars in a week. 
But I don't know that that's even still the case. I mean, look at what the Eagles did on Thursday night, resting everybody. Yes, they played Jalen Rager. Yes, they played Devontae Smith. Yes, they played their starting offensive line for about a series. But outside of that, it was their third and fourth string defense. You look at the Giants and Joe Judge, they didn't play anybody in their first preseason game. They played Darius Slayton, at wide receiver, almost inexplicably with the first team offense and put him out there. Meanwhile, Evan Ingram and... Sterling Shepard are both, you know, hanging out on the sideline. Daniel Jones was in street clothes, and he might not play against the Browns on Saturday night. But you just look at what coaches are telling you. They're telling you that these preseason games don't matter. We've always seen it with the very vanilla game plans. Head coaches in the NFL are a paranoid lot to begin with. But when you have the, the need to game plan for a preseason game, even if it's just, you know, scripting an amount of running plays versus passing plays. These coaches don't even want fans at training camp if they don't need to be there because they don't want the media there. Most teams don't let you film or take photos 11 on 11 periods during training camp practices. You can't tweet out who's with the first team offense or defense in some camps. So to me, this has now become an utter and complete waste of time these preseason games. We've gone from four to three. We've heard so much about how it matters for bottom of the roster players, but even coaches aren't necessarily putting these bottom of the roster players in positions and running plays that they would be running in a regular season game if they make the roster. So here's my proposal, and I don't think we're really that far off. If you follow me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL, you saw I had kind of a fun exchange with my guy, Mike Tanier from Football Outsiders. You know, I think that we'd all be better off. And I think that head coaches around the league would agree that a better way to spend the final two or three weeks of training camp leading up to the regular season would be doing away with preseason games altogether. Just have two to three weeks of joint practices. And, you know, teams are, this is now becoming more and more normal. You had the Eagles having joint practices this week with the Patriots. The Jets are in Green Bay having joint practices in the shadow of Lambeau Field with the Green Bay Packers. The Giants have joint practices this week with the Cleveland Browns. Then they go to New England to have joint practices with the Patriots. The Eagles next week have joint practices with the Jets. It's just become the new normal. The Raiders, I believe, had joint practices with the Rams. San Francisco is having joint practices. So in a perfect world, if I were the commissioner of the NFL and I had the full agreement of the Players Association, I would do away with the preseason games where coaches don't want to show you anything. They're vanilla anyway. And I would have two to three weeks of joint practices because look, look what the Eagles did. And I keep going back to that example because that's the game that I watched on Thursday night and we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. But Sirianni didn't play any of his starters, didn't play any of his top tier backups. But you follow some of the beat writers from the Patriots and the Eagles this week on social media and the Eagles had the upper hand. And I think that the play calling is more interesting in these open practices, joint practices with other teams. You saw 11-on-11s between the Giants and the Cleveland Browns, where the Giants' pass rush had a day, it seems like, against Baker Mayfield and one of the top offensive lines in football. Coaches are, are more inclined in the controlled environment of a joint practice to run the kind of plays and the kind of scripts that they would run in the regular season rather than in a preseason game. So here's what I would do. 
I would get rid of the preseason games. I would televise one or two of the joint practices per team so that the teams all get their local TV money. You know, maybe invite Fox to one a week, ESPN, CBS, NFL Network. And you get to call and comment on the one-on-one drills. You get to show the offensive line going up against the defensive line. You get to show seven-on-sevens. And if everybody's worried about and coaches are worried about what's happening in 11-on-11s, then you shoot it like you do hard knocks. Because if you watch hard knocks over the years and if you watch the Cowboys season this year, you're, you're not seeing the alignment of the offense and the defense. You're seeing zoomed in on the quarterback, field level, at the line of scrimmage. You can barely tell what's going on other than a pass that's completed to the wide receiver or run up the middle. But you get right in on the action And I think that's more compelling for the fans. And I think that would be much more valuable to teams around the league. So in my opinion, do away with the preseason. Let's televise the joint practices. On the other side, I'll give you my players that I'm keeping a close eye on for the rest of this preseason, answering your Twitter questions and a whole lot more. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. All right, guys, join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code FANSIDED20. Are you ready for an out-of-your-world experience? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and even Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and even a travel bag that'll hold your whole solar system first schedule for takeoff is the new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer this spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body balls butt even your anus lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000k led spotlight you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker it's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds off top in your nose and ear and then don't forget the crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver to help your little planets stay on their a-game while feeling the sun's hot heat manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance 4.0 package the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you progressive presents forced metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles in hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back. And we obviously spent the first segment of the podcast talking a lot about two of the marquee young quarterbacks in this league, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And a lot of that is because they're the guys that are getting the most playing time right now. And certainly those two have the chance to make an immediate impact on their franchise. And in my opinion, as I said over and over again, 
They need to play. They need to be out there week one. And I think that Trey Lance last week with the 80-yard touchdown pass, I thought that he made a nice impression. And if you had to kind of, you know, take all of these guys and their situations, and I spoke to an NFL executive about this this week, that if you had to take all of their situations, that Fields and Trey Lance are probably in the best two positions to succeed. Because Fields, you have the running game, you have Allen Robinson, you have a great defense, and if Matt Nagy can save his job, you have an offensive-minded head coach. And there might not be a better offensive-minded coach in the league for a young quarterback to learn from than Kyle Shanahan. And Trey Lance is in maybe a better situation with far less pressure than Justin Fields is, because the Niners have a roster that's built to win now. You look at the NFC West, it's a total gauntlet. It wouldn't surprise me if the Niners or the Seahawks or the Rams or if the Cardinals, if Cliff Kingsbury learns to close and coaches the second half of the season as aggressively and as well as he did the first half, the Cardinals are in the mix there. But you look at Trey Lance, he's in a great situation because he's sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo. The Niners are going to stick with Garoppolo as long as they're winning. But you have a great offense. You have a great scheme. You have one of the three to five most dominant and physically gifted and talented defenses in the entire NFL one of the best pass rushes that if Trey Lance isn't rushed to start if he isn't thrown to the wolves before he's ready he's in an ideal position to follow that blueprint of what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes with Garoppolo eventually handing the reins over to Trey Lance in a similar way that Alex Smith did to Mahomes with a similarly gifted supporting cast on both sides of the ball. But beyond the rookie quarterbacks, beyond the young players, there are a handful of guys that I'm really excited to watch over the next couple weeks leading into the regular season. And I'll just start with Calvin Ridley. And, you know, you look at what's happening. We touched on the value and the importance of joint practices throughout training camp. You saw that firsthand when the Miami Dolphins and the Falcons got together this week. You really saw a glimpse of what the Falcons organization and first-year head coach Arthur Smith and owner Arthur Blank, really what they saw to give GM Terry Fontenot and the Falcons confidence to trade Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans. Because during one-on-one drills, Calvin Ridley went up against Xavier Howard, one of the five most gifted cornerbacks in the league. He'd start on all 32 teams. He's an all-pro caliber corner. And Ridley just blew by him, beat him off the the snap, and he was gone on a go route, beat him by five steps. Now, that doesn't happen in the NFL. It doesn't happen during one-on-ones in practice all that often either. But I want to see Ridley, if he can put it all together in an offense that also now includes Kyle Pitts in a potential last ride for Matt Ryan at quarterback, I want to see what Calvin Ridley is able to do for the rest of this preseason and then in the regular season where he is unquestionably the number one wide receiver on Atlanta's offense. And Ridley's really looking, at least early on, like he's capable of carrying that mantle and then some. Micah Parsons is another young player, a rookie on the defensive side of the ball that is having a great preseason. I can't wait to watch what he's able to do through the rest of the preseason and then in the regular season when games start to count for real. Here's a guy drafted number 12 overall by the Dallas Cowboys. Their head coach, Mike McCarthy, comes out and says that he looks like he's wrecking practice every day. Seems fully capable of being the kind of player who has been at this level and can play at a high level at this level for the last several years. And that's translated into the first two preseason games. Micah Parsons looks the part of a starting inside linebacker. And I said it before and I'll say it again. He has to be considered the odds-on favorite to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. And Parsons is a kid who is instrumental and will play a vital role 
in the Cowboys defense rebuilding this year. And if they're going to make any sort of noise in the NFC East, that defense is going to have to step up. And I think that Parsons plays a vital role in that. And back to the quarterbacks, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a kid who you watch him last year, and, and I'm just blown away by Justin Herbert. And it's kind of surprising that he fell as far as he did in the NFL draft, that Tua Tagovailoa goes before him, that the Giants, even though they have Daniel Jones, take Andrew Thomas at offensive tackle rather than Justin Herbert, who we know Dave Gettleman loved during the prior draft class. But Herbert comes out and has a tremendous rookie year. But he looks every bit the part of an elite franchise quarterback. And the question for Herbert becomes, can he build on it? And you watch some of the throws in practice, and I know it's just practice, but you see the highlight videos, 60-yard strikes down the field, hitting guys between the numbers in tight windows. And I'm excited. I'm excited to watch what he can do. And I really believe that with the building on the kind of year that he had as a rookie, that Justin Herbert can be a fringe MVP candidate if he builds on it. And again, for Herbert, it comes down to, can you replicate and build on your success as a rookie in the NFL with a new head coach and a new system? We know that it worked last year with Anthony Lynn. We knew that it worked with the previous coaching staff. And it just comes down to whether or not Joe Lombardi can recapture and rekindle some of the magic that you saw with Drew Brees and... Michael Thomas throughout the years. And if they can, and if Herbert can build on his 4,300-yard, 31-touchdown, 10-interception rookie campaign, and listen, I get it that the Chargers and Justin Herbert play in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but there's no reason that Herbert can't build on what he did as a rookie, carry that franchise one step closer to the postseason, or more than that, and make those games more competitive with the Chiefs and maybe even be a threat to the Chiefs going undefeated or more. And sticking in the AFC West, you kind of have to scratch your head a little bit at what the Denver Broncos did taking Patrick Sertain. Now, he's easily a top two or three cornerback in this class, and cornerback is becoming more and more important. And you better have great cornerback play if you're going to be in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Justin Herbert and... Keenan Allen and Derek Carr and all of the weapons, Darren Waller and everybody that they have out there in Las Vegas, you better have dominant cornerback play. But you passed up on Justin Fields. You passed up on Mac Jones, both of which are looking every bit the part of franchise quarterbacks, both of which would look terrific throwing the ball to KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fonten, Jerry Judy. And maybe there's a chance Patrick Sertain winds up being Jalen Ramsey or Darrell Revis or one of these top cornerbacks in the league. But now you're hearing about all of the drama in Broncos camp. You're hearing about Drew Locke yanked from a drill after a bad throw by offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. And you just have to wonder... If for all of the arms race that you need to take part in on defense to stop the Chargers and certainly the Chiefs, maybe you're better off with the offense you've already put together at the skill positions and a pretty good offensive line. Maybe Denver would have been better off taking a Mac Jones or a Justin Fields, which is why I'm really interested and will be focused on Patrick Sertain and what he's able to do throughout the course of this preseason. On the other side, we'll get to your Twitter questions about the first couple weeks of the preseason and what's to come in the 2021 NFL season right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, Inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window. Rest chin on ground, look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door, check window, check other window. 
Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Hi, welcome back into the Matt Bombardo Show. And without further review, let's get right to your questions. We'll start with Chris Brown, at Chris underscore Brown underscore yes. Do you have a prediction on the ongoing enforcement of the taunting rule? Are guys talking about it at camps? Are they indifferent about it, angry about it, etc.? And Chris, that's a really interesting question. I think it's kind of driven the narrative of the NFL this week, especially after Giants owner John Merrill was asked about the taunting rule being implemented and really enforced this year during his press conference this week. Here's John Merrill. Yeah, I mean, that's something we discuss every year in the competition committee. We, we get kind of sick and tired of the, of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field. We've tried to balance um, the sportsmanship with allowing the players to have fun and there's always a fine line there but none of us like to see that and uh, it's just a question of whether you can have rules that can be enforced without taking the fun out of the game too but nobody wants to see a player taunting another player I know I certainly don't and I think the rest of the members of the competition committee feel the same way too. What I think is really interesting here is it kind of shows the divide between the owners and the players because NFL players were really quick to react to Mara's comments and basically, for lack of a better term, put them on blast. You know, Alvin Kamara tweeted that it was corny as hell. Shut up and play. Okay, I got it, Tyron Matthews said. And Adrian Amos said, quote, I blame that darn rap music. And I think that what, what this really shows is how out of touch the NFL owners are with their players, how wide the divide is there, and how out of touch they are with the fans of their product. Because listen, I don't think anybody wants to see a guy get in the other guy's face after a pass breakup in the end zone in the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody wants to see anybody stand over a quarterback after a sack and, you know, point and yell in his face and all of those things but the way that it's being enforced in the preseason we had Colts running back Benny LeMay basically dragged the entire Panthers defense seven or eight yards nine yards down the field and he kind of got up and, and shrugged his shoulders and flexed a little bit and he drew a flag nobody wants to see that because it shouldn't be a, a penalty flag that's thrown for celebration it should be a flag that's thrown for those outrageous incidences of taunting that we talked about and even that I think is left too much to interpretation so I think Chris that players are going to be outraged by this and I think that fans are going to be annoyed by it and it's just another issue and another example of the NFL becoming the no fun league and it's going to turn off some fans now don't get me wrong here fans aren't going to turn off the league and stop watching football because they're not allowed to taunt but I think that fans are going to be annoyed by this. I think it takes some of the passion and some of the excitement out of the games. And I kind of agree with the players here that unless you're going to throw a flag for every celebration, then you're leaving it in the hands and in the eyes and in the interpretation of a referee to decide what taunting is. And I think that's a really blurry line to try to enforce. Thanks for the question, Chris. Appreciate you. Next up, Andy Burroughs asks, how far can this Washington football team go this season? I kind of like Washington. I love what they've done in their front seven. We touched on it last week. I think that Chase Young is a fringe defensive player of the year candidate and a guy based on what he did as a rookie and what he's shown so far through training camp in the preseason who has a real potential to 
be a double-digit sack guy this year in his second NFL season. And that offense, you have Terry McLaurin, who's a top eight or nine wide receiver in the league. I really like Antonio Gibson. He's a Swiss Army knife of a running back, really versatile guy who can get you close to 800 to 1,000 yards on the ground and three or 400, 500 yards through the air. So there are a lot of weapons there. And you drop in a veteran, established quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who at this stage of his career isn't a franchise quarterback, but he can be an Alex Smith level game manager he can be a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback in that offense which with that defense in that division and and look the Dallas Cowboys have one of the more explosive supporting casts in the league I think the Giants have a lot of question marks from Daniel Jones on down and the Eagles are probably two or so years away from being in a position to compete for the NFC East. So you might not need anything more than an Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins type of quarterback performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick to win nine or 10 games. And I've said it before, I've written about it before. I really believe that the NFC East this year won't be anything near the laughing stock that it was a year ago. And in a 17-game season, I think it is very much and legitimately a race to 10 or 11 wins between the Cowboys, Washington, and the Giants. And Washington's right in that mix. Now, they're not a team that I'm going to put in the same conversation as the Green Bay Packers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I think are head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. And I think they're the two odds-on favorites to go to the NFC Championship game. I'd put the Los Angeles Rams in that conversation and maybe the San Francisco 49ers, but Washington's in that very next tier. They're, they're in that next year of teams with the Cowboys, with the Arizona Cardinals, with the New Orleans Saints, if they can figure out their quarterback situation and stay healthy. They're one of those second tier competitors and contenders in the NFC. And I think that's a really bad spot to be for a coach, a team that's coached as well as Ron Rivera coaches that franchise. Last one here comes from at BB underscore Chargers. That's Bolt Beat fansided's Los Angeles Chargers page. And they ask, okay, Matt, talk us out of Austin Eckler being a top three fantasy running back. And I love the optimism. And I think that the Chargers are a team to watch in the AFC West. And especially if Justin Herbert makes another step, as we touched on earlier in his career, this is a team that can push for eight, nine, ten wins. They can be in the mix. They can be a wild card team. And there are some real weapons on that Chargers offense. I mean, you start talking about guys like Keenan Allen. You talk about guys like Mike Williams. There are proven receiving options there. And Eckler is a really potentially dynamic running back. But there's only one football. Jared Cook is another option in the passing game. And I think that Eckler is one of these guys from a fantasy perspective fringe top 10 is certainly top 15 running back but top three is kind of silly guys I mean again I love the optimism I love the fandom but you're talking about the top three running backs in the league in terms of fantasy production you have to start with Derrick Henry who's going to be a guy who pushes for the rushing title every year especially now in that offense Dalvin Cook is in that conversation, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, a healthy Alvin Kamara, a healthy Saquon Barkley. I would take all of those guys over Austin Eckler. Miles Sanders is a guy I'd probably take over Austin Eckler. And Antonio Gibson is probably a guy I'd throw in that mix. And we haven't even talked about Ezekiel Elliott, who's probably a top three or four running back in this league, running behind the best offensive line in football. And you have... The Browns duo, maybe the most dynamic duo of running backs in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. 
So again, I, I love the fact that you're excited about Austin Eckler. He's a really fascinating young player, but he's probably closer to being a top 10 or top 15 running back in terms of fantasy. But I think he means a lot more to the Chargers' individual success as a team than that. So that's going to wrap it up. I'm looking forward to all of the games this weekend, looking ahead to next weekend's preseason games, and then that's it. It's 53-man roster time. It's kickoff of the regular season on September 9th. Football is here. It's back. Thanks, as always, to Cole Thompson of Fansider for all of his help putting this podcast together. You can go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL. Please go ahead and subscribe to the Apple Podcast Store to Stack in the Box. Leave us those five-star reviews. I'm Matt Lombardo, and I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansider's Stack in the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.